Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from a sold-out progressive field. It's the Cleveland Guardians 4, the Chicago White Sox 2. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And it's nice to see the Guardians playing in front of a sold-out crowd at home. I, I wondered how the trade deadline would affect that, but like I said, probably these tickets were sold well before the trade deadline, and you know, it was a rockin' blast weekend. Everybody likes going downtown for the fireworks. And so, yeah, a few weekends left in summer before those kids go back to school. I, Sorry I have to remind you. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's nice to see them sell out the ballpark. So, clearly everybody taking advantage of a beautiful night in Cleveland, Ohio. I I feel like before we get to the game, we got to talk about the off-field news. We just got to do a quick roster update because we get unfortunate news that both Josh Naylor and Tyler Freeman have to hit the IL. And then they make some interesting corresponding moves to go along with that. First off, people, uh, there's a weird thing going on where people were suggesting that the Josh Naylor injury might be a protest to them trading Aaron Savali. That's just, that is so messed up. Like, if there's one thing, one thing we can all agree on, it is Josh Naylor's character. And, I mean, he's been a fantastic leader on this team. And uh, how dare anyone, like, question question his commitment to the team. That just seems, uh, yeah, that's dirty sports talk right there. Uh, But, so it's it's a shame. It's a shame that a guy who's having himself one heck of a season uh, could be out a couple weeks. I don't know. They're trying to be cautious with it. You know, if it was up to Josh, he'd he'd be out there uh, last night. You know, he'd, he'd probably say, you know, put some KT tape on me, wrap a bandage around me, and get me out there. He'd look like those, you know, when the wrestlers uh, fake like they have rib injuries, stuff like that, and they, they'd come out with the big white tape just wrapped around their torso like six times uh, to show that they were really beat up from the night before. I, I know I'm making a random wrestling uh, reference in the middle of this baseball podcast, but it's the most... It's the most like cartoonish uh, I could think of, like wrapping yourself in an ace bandage kind of thing. Um, so you know Naylor would be out there if he could. And uh, luckily, uh, there's a staff of trainers that are able to tell him, no, Josh, you, you, you have a serious, you, know, you have a problem here. You got to let this thing calm down. You got to let it calm down before you get back out there and make it worse. So him and Freeman... Both down, uh, really, it's two guys who should be taking advantage of opportunities, and and I mean, they're not now. I mean, j- don't forget, Josh is still a young guy on this team, so um, the more at-bats, the better for him. Uh, so, the corresponding moves is Jose Tania. I mean, literally skips through AAA. He played one game at AAA. He had just been called up. He was the corresponding move to Brian Rocchio. Uh, moving up to the big leagues, and it's a good sign for Rokio that Tanya moves up behind him because it kind of shows that like this this is kind of a permanent move, right? Uh, this isn't just you're here for a weekend. This Rokio's getting his opportunity now, and uh, Tanya backfilled him at AAA. Now it'll be interesting to see if there's another move uh, at AAA to fill Jose Tanya's spot. But uh, Tanya comes up, and then they go out and sign Cole, or they trade for Cole Calhoun. They were able to trade. Cash to the Dodgers for Cole Calhoun, who was playing in AAA. I guess you could still trade minor league players. 
And uh, interesting move. I mean, Calhoun is having an okay season. He's bounced around to like three different minor league teams this year at 35 years old. He's hitting 297, uh, 530 slugging, 906 OPS at, at AAA this year, wherever he's gone. So I guess that's all right. But I mean, his last two seasons in 2021 in Arizona, he was down to a 670 OPS, an 81 OPS plus. And then last year in Texas, uh, in 125 games, he was there for a long time. He hit 196, 587 OPS. It was a 67 OPS plus. So I don't know. Maybe they're hoping whatever was going on in AAA, they can get a few at-bats out of them, whether it's DH or first base or right field. Um, yeah, maybe they're hoping they can get a few a few at-bats out of them uh, and maybe a few home runs out of them. But it seems like a strange move to go sign or trade for a very old left-handed Cole Calhoun. Um, when you've got guys at AAA, like it just makes me wonder what the front office thinks of the guys at AAA right now, right? There's a list of guys down there at AAA, Joensky, Noel, uh, George Valera, um, some of the other, uh, infielders who aren't necessarily top prospects who aren't necessarily, um, uh, some of them aren't even on the 40 man roster. Uh, but there's some other guys down there, Schneeman, uh, who apparently is having himself a good season. Uh, there's some other guys down there that I was like, oh, okay. Uh, we're not looking at those guys. We're, we're jumping right to, uh, Jose Tena. And Jose Tena gets the bump over a Juan Brito, over a, uh, Angel Martinez, other middle infielders that were at the double A level. Or AAA. Martinez is at the AAA level now. Um, so, yeah, it's it's interesting, right? Uh, he's played one game. So, Martin, was Martinez just get the bump up behind Tanya? Because he also has one game played at AAA. So, he might have gotten that bump once Tanya got bumped up. Uh, so, here's what I could tell you about Jose Tanya. We got to do a quick intro to him. He's only 22 years old. He signed in that international draft class uh, that included George Valera and Brian Rocchio. Um, but young guy, 22 years old, uh, smaller, you know, smaller guy, 5'11", 195, uh, left-handed batter. Um, he's the nephew of Juan Uribe. There you go. There's some familial ties with, uh, with a, right, he was here for a second in Cleveland, but a former Cleveland player. Uh he broke out by hitting 281 with 16 homers as a 20-year-old in high A and winning the Arizona Fall League batting title in 2021. He held his own at AA last year and made a five-game cameo at AAA at the end of the season. With the quick left-handed swing and quality hand-eye coordination, Tanya is built to hit for average, but he's too aggressive at the plate, repeatedly chasing off-speed pitches down in the zone and struggling to catch up to good fastballs at the top. And he makes too much weak contact while rarely walking. Adding strength during his pandemic layoff in 2020 translated to more bat speed and power that could pay off with 15 homers per season in the majors. Tanya has solid speed and is a good base runner, albeit not a prolific base stealer. He has a quick first step and reliable hands, and he enhanced his chances of sticking at shortstop by also upgrading his arm strength during the pandemic downtime. 
He's at least an average defender at short and better than at, at second and third base. They've got him. This is the MLB.com scouting report. They've got him at a hit 50, a power 45, a run 55, an arm 55, fielding 50, and an overall grade of 40. So he is your depth. He is your utility infielder right now with Tyler Freeman out. Uh, so there you go. A quick, a quick little introduction to Jose Tenya. Uh, okay, let's get into this game. Uh, all I'll say about the moves is sure. I don't know how much playing time these guys are going to get, but sure. I Tanya, uh, you know, it's that log jam in the middle infield that we've been talking about for a long time. He's one of those guys that's been caught in that churn. So I didn't expect him to get an opportunity, but here he is getting an opportunity. All right, let's get into this game. Uh, the top storyline of this game is probably Tim Anderson pushing Brian Rocchio's hand off of second base. Again, let's get this out of the way here. Uh, Rokio, uh, gets a hit in the, uh, what inning was that in? That's a great question. Um, that was in the third inning or the fourth inning? Uh, I believe it was in the fourth inning to lead off the fourth inning. Sorry about that. Uh, to lead off the fourth inning, a single in the right field, uh, Trace Thompson kind of overruns it. Rokio following in the model of clearly the guy who inspires all these guys, Jose Ramirez, goes aggressive. He says, I'm taking second base. I, I would expect him to, right? With an outfielder overruns your ball like this. Uh, going for second base. He's in there. His hand is on the bag. And then Tim Anderson pushes that hand off. It's off the base for a second. And then comes back to the base. Now, if you look at the replay, the second base umpire is standing right they're laser focused laser focused on the bag he sees tim anderson push the hand he sees the hand come off he still calls him safe he knows the rules he calls him safe uh then chicago takes a flyer tries to challenge it and i think the problem is the problem is that they actually let the challenge go through you know, how many times has Terry Francona wanted to challenge something and they tell him oh, that's not reviewable? Now, we get a weak explanation from New York here, right? The Guardian's booth is able to contact New York and get a little bit of information. And they say that the pushing the hand off the bag is not reviewable. So, therefore, since the hand was off the bag, which is reviewable, he's out. Which is the most messed up logic of all time? If it's not reviewable, then it's not reviewable. And uh, that should have been the message back from New York. Uh, and the hump, um, again, the umpire crew should never let it go through. And I think that's probably what Terry Francona was screaming about when he got tossed from the game. And rightfully so. Uh, there's one thing Francona will do. It, it is protect a player. And a young player like Rokio deserves it. Even after the game, uh, when Andre not asked Rokio about it, he basically said, like, yeah, I was standing with Tim Anderson. And even Anderson was like, oh, yeah, I, I can't push your hand off the base. That You're safe. And uh, the call comes back the way it is. So it's messed up. It's messed up that the challenge even went through. But... It's not the top storyline of this game, right? Like, I know that's the thing that's first in mind, and we kind of have to get it out of the way, but it's not the top storyline of the game because this team played a really good game. 
So let's not let it be the top storyline of the game. Let's not let it ruin our night. I think everybody knows. Rokio knows. Tim Anderson knows. That umpire at second base knows. Francona knows. Their manager knows. Everybody knows. The, the 37,000 in attendance know he was safe. He, he should have had a double. He should have been safe. They should have never been challenged. So we're going to move on. All right, now that that's out of the way, hey, the Guardians play a really good offensive game, and who steps up big? Andres Jimenez steps up big. Uh, Oscar Gonzalez even, you know, stepped up with a multi-hit night, although it doesn't actually turn into anything. I still like those swings. Uh, It was a decent, uh, albeit not a ton of hits. They do it on, well, I guess nine hits is a decent amount of hits. Yeah, I guess when Andres Jimenez has three of them, the box score looks a little off. Um... Yeah, so uh, it's a good offensive game against Mike Clevenger, and uh, they rack up eight hits on him over five innings. Uh, so let's get into this a little bit. Andres Jimenez was really, really driving the ball, really driving. Exit velocities of, let's see here if my cursor will work, 104.5, 98.5, and 103.7. And uh, the home run was just the icing on the cake. And this was an insane sequence of pitches. In the fifth inning, Stephen Kwan leads off with a single. All right, good stuff from Kwan. I believe this is the one where he went to left field. Um, It was a pitch that was up, and he stays on it and drives it into the left field. And it's it's such a nice swing. It's such a nice opposite field swing. God, show your kids this swing. And then Andres Jimenez comes up, and they I, I have to imagine Francona was calling it from the uh, from the dugout. Because when Andres Jimenez wants to bunt for a base hit, Andres Jimenez can catch you off guard and drop down a bunt from a base hit. Why in the world? It's, it's the fifth inning. There's so much more baseball to go, and the White Sox are a team that can easily hit a home run at any point in the game. What are you playing for one run for in the fifth inning? This makes zero sense. In fact, no, I, I can't blame Francona because he's ejected from the game. I, I guess uh, it's the rest of the coaching staff. Uh, DeMarlo Hale calling this. Um, they have Jimenez try to bunt. He pops it up twice into foul territory. So now he's forced to swing. And, you know, I've said a million times, if I want to strike out Andres Jimenez, I'm going with a high fastball. What Clevenger does, he just does not get it high enough. He leaves it at the letters, and Andres Jimenez turns on it, which he had been doing all game. Hits it at 90, uh, 98.5 miles per hour. So actually, his not his hardest hit ball of the day. 31-degree launch angle, 373, a monster shot out to right field. 28 out of 30 ballparks. This would have been a home run in, and it's nice to see him turn on a fastball like that and he was doing it all night he also had a couple of doubles in this one uh and you know looking at the pitch chart uh it was interesting for him uh those double one came on a double uh a four-seam fastball middle middle that was from jimmy lambert uh in the seventh inning i believe that was the one he hits down into the right field corner that's, I mean, dead middle, middle of the plate. I would expect him to pull that pitch down into the right field corner. But nice to see him jumping on fastballs here. And then the one-off Clevenger was a fastball on the outside edge. I've talked about how I like to see. 
I would like to see Jimenez start to hit the other way and line some stuff the other way uh, and, and not be so pull happy. But uh, hitting this one to center field, I can't argue with this one. He jumps on a fastball. I think it's a little bit different a fastball on the outside edge versus a slider, a sweeper, you know, a changeup from a righty out there. Um, I think if you could jump on a fastball, I got no problem with that. Uh, and he hits this thing at 104.5 uh, up the middle of the diamond, burns the outfielder, and it goes to the wall for a double on a 3-2 count. Uh, so great job, great job by Andres Jimenez jumping on uh, these fastballs. He does strike out uh, in the uh, second inning. Uh, this was with runners on base. This was with Straw and Quan on base. And this time it is on a fastball at the top of the zone uh, from Clevenger on a 2-2 count. Uh, so there's there's the difference there from Clevenger. It shows you how fine a line uh, these pitchers have to walk. Um, I mean, this is uh, an inch or two higher than the home run ball he gives up. The it's a it's just at the top of the strike zone here on the illustrator, whereas uh, the four seam fastball that he hits for a home run is an inch or two lower. It's down in the strike zone and well in Andres Jimenez's wheelhouse. So that slight difference there is the difference between a strikeout with two runners on base and a two run home run. So a great job by Andres Jimenez. A great offensive game. Uh, Oscar Gonzalez. Uh, you know, uh, was pulling the ball, was getting some inside pitches. Uh, Clevenger just pounded the left side, the arm side of the plate, all game. That's just he he lived there all game, and uh, uh, he hits a cutter for a single through the left side, and then it was a slider, but it didn't make it off the plate. Uh, it stayed on the plate, uh, and he's able to pull that thing into in the left center field for the triple. So a big hit there. From Oscar Gonzalez, unfortunately, it doesn't turn into anything. He's stranded at third base. But still nice to see him turning on some pitches, hitting some things hard. He hits that triple at 107.5 miles per hour. Uh, Rokio, that was his lone hit of the day. Uh, It was on an inside slider, but it was up, elevated, and he was able to drive it into right field. Um, So, yeah, a good offensive day from your Guardians. Uh, They're able to score early. Uh, That Andres Jimenez uh, doubles the second batter of the game. And then Jose Ramirez is able to single right after and drive him in. So seeing your two and three hitters go back-to-back with hits like that to kick off the scoring early is really nice to see. We win those early innings. Uh, They answer back in the third. And then we make the final point of the game with Andres Jimenez's two-run home run in the fifth inning. And then the bullpen... Uh, Logan Allen and the bullpen are able to shut him down over the last four innings and uh, hold that 4-2 to lead. So a really good offensive day uh, for the Guardians. That's what's what they need to get the job done when that pitching is pretty good and locked in. I'd say a four-run effort uh, with good pitching is kind of the Guardians' way. That, that sounds about right for your Guardians. Um, anything else offensively that we need to talk about? I think that pretty much covers it. It was nice to see Straw and Quan running uh, and stealing bases. Uh, and then, you know what? Let's flip it around and let's talk defense because this Guardians lineup, not only did they hit the ball well and come up with some big hits, but they played fantastic defense. And, you know, the other night in Houston, I think it was the Guardians hitting into three double plays. 
And this time, it was the Guardians' defense turning three double plays. Uh, and, you know, in some big moments in the game, the one they turned for Stefan in the eighth inning is huge after he lets those first two runners on with singles. Uh, he was kind of he kind of found himself in the middle of the plate, gives up some singles uh, to start the eighth inning, then gets a big strikeout, and then this ground ball double play. Uh, that's a big, big momentum swing late in the game. Uh, I'm sure that moved the win probability line there in the eighth inning. Uh, so good stuff there. And then uh, Brennan, Will Brennan in right field with some sliding catches. Uh, again, a couple of them late in the game. One of them, I think it was the, I think it was the seventh inning. Uh, someone flew out to him in right field, and you know, in the booth they were all exuberant, and uh, the call was kind of like they were surprised Brennan came up with the catch. I wasn't. Something about the crack of the bat. I saw the launch angle. I saw how much air it had under it, and I, I just had all the confidence in the world. Like I just. I saw the angle. I saw the speed Brennan was coming in at. I was like, oh, he's got this. No doubt in my mind. I was like, absolutely. That ball's hanging up there. He's going to slide right under this thing. I just, I saw it. I saw the launch angle. I saw the play developing. And uh, I I was impressed with Brennan's agility, uh, but I wasn't surprised. I, I saw from the crack of the bat. I was like, oh, he's got this. He's My guy's got this. So huge defense out there. Uh Always helps the effort. Uh, so, yeah. So, great job by that that Guardians lineup. Uh, oh, 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 I got to add to it. I got to add to it. The double play they turn early uh, where it's Ramirez to Jimenez. Jimenez uh, has to kind of reach back towards left field to catch it and then fire across his body. And David Fry stretching out at first base, doing the full-on splits pretty much. It was pretty close to the full-on splits. Look, he. I will always go back, and I will always say that you know Bobby Bradley did not work out here, but that man could do the splits at first base. That guy's flexibility was legit. I don't know if he does yoga. I don't know ballet. Whatever he does, I don't know. But that dude's flexibility was legit. Uh, and uh, David Fry, he got there, but he paid for it. Like he. <laughs> His hand, not to be vulgar or anything, but his hand immediately kind of goes to his groin. And uh, he definitely felt that stretch there. Uh, he he kind of limps off the field. It's glad to, good to see that he was all right. Uh, and he was able to walk it off. But I don't think even he anticipated doing the splits in that moment and stretching out that far. So uh, I'm definitely going to recommend... Uh, David Fry might might want to do some stretching exercises. Might if he's going to continue to play first base, might want to increase that range, that flexibility just a little bit, so he can do stuff like that without without risk of injury. Uh, but an impressive stretch there at first base. Come on, the first baseman never get any love defensively. So shout out David Fry for a good play there. All right, uh, moving on to the pitching side of things, Logan Allen. Hey, he holds it down. Nobody's going to be impressed by four walks, right? It put him in a in a really sticky situation there. Uh, he is really lucky to get out of that third inning. Um, but uh, six innings pitched, four hits, that's it, two runs, all right, four walks, not great, five strikeouts, and at key moments, uh, 96 pitches. He's only hard hit five times. So 
at the end of the day, it's a quality start from Logan Allen, right? Six innings pitch, three runs or less. It's a quality start. Again, no one's smiling about four walks. It's looking back at his um, at his game logs. Like he only gave up four walks in the entire month of July, which was three starts for him. And three of those were against the White Sox in his last start. Okay, so seven walks over his last two starts against the Chicago White Sox. Either the White Sox have more patience than the other teams, or, you know, looking at the illustrator, he was a little bit off in this one. Looking at the illustrator, we're used to him pounding the strike zone a little more. um, And he just, he couldn't seem to get his fastball down. Uh, He left a lot of fastballs up at the top of the zone. And he left a lot of change-ups off the plate. He could not bring that change-up over the plate. Uh, we're used to seeing him pound the strike zone. But a lot of change-ups down. A lot of change-ups he leaves off to his arm side of the plate. Remember, he's a lefty, so leaving him off to the right side of the plate from our catcher's view here on the illustrator. Yeah, uh, so I can see how he ended up with four walks here. I can see how he struggled a little bit with his command. But he was close enough to the plate that he stayed competitive, and I think this this third inning is a good example of it. So he uh, he gets into trouble, uh, a leadoff walk to Trace Thompson, Oscar Colas with a single, Elvis Andrews with a double, then he walks Tim Anderson, then he walks Benatendi before he finally locks things in. So let's start with Tim Anderson's uh, at-bat here. Let's go over to the matchup. And he is just, I mean, wild, throwing fastballs up over his head, missing wildly with changeups after he fouls off a first pitch cutter, uh, which he doesn't throw that often, but he mixed it in a couple times tonight, uh, which was on the strike zone. He misses wildly on four pitches. Uh, misses changeup, then the fastball high, then the changeup in the dirt, then the fastball high again. I mean, nowhere near the plate. Then Benetendi comes up. And he misses on four straight. One of them, the second pitch, was a slider that probably should have been called a strike. But he's trying to throw outside to the lefty Benatendi. And he can't find the plate. Four straight pitches. Misses with a cutter away. A slider that, again, probably should have been called a strike on the lower outside corner. Uh, A cutter high. And then a fastball way off the plate. And he walks Benatendi. Okay, this is getting ugly now. Uh, Luis Robert is up now. Bases loaded, remember. Uh, you know, two runs are in, and frankly, Luis Robert helps him out. Uh, throws him a changeup on the plate for a strike. Uh, swinging strike, swings through it. Uh, on the outside edge of the plate to the righty Robert, throws him a sweeper in the dirt at his feet. Throws him another changeup off the plate away that he chases, and then throws him another sweeper that doesn't quite make it back to the plate. It stays outside, and Luis Robert goes out and chases it again. So he swings at two pitches off the plate for a guy that had just walked two in a row and helps him out and strikes out. Then Andrew Vaughn comes up, the powerful right-handed hitter. They've got a lot of them in their lineup. Uh, and he chases some things off the plate. Now it helps to get a changeup for a called strike that was eh, maybe a touch outside. Uh, then he fouls off a changeup down below the uh, knees. Fouls off a four-seam fastball that was up above the strike zone. So really in a pitcher's count here, an 0-2 count. Leaves a changeup down in a way that he lays off for ball one. And then throws him a sweeper that just comes back over the outside edge of the plate. And uh, he swings through this one for the strikeout. So Vaughn and Luis Robert really help him out. 
And then with Moncada, he's able to find that outside edge finally. Misses with a changeup away, but then pounds two sweepers on that outside edge and eventually gets him to ground out to Brian Rocchio for the uh, final out of the inning. So a great job by Logan Allen after what was looking like could have been a disastrous inning. He holds it at a 2-2 tie. He's able to get out of the thing. Uh, like I said, strikeouts at the right moments. Uh, you know, Taking care of business himself and striking out those two hitters was absolutely huge. Probably as far as that win probability line goes, just as far as momentum in the game goes to hold the 2-2 tie. Uh, you've lost the inning, okay, but you held it into a 2-2 tie and you gave your team a chance to get back into this thing. Uh Nobody has a quite clean uh, final inning, 7-8-9. He goes De Los Santos, Stefan, and Classe. Like I said, Stefan gave up those two hits, but he's able to wipe him out with a strikeout and a double play. Classe uh, looks like he's going to shut the door, does have a walk uh, before uh, getting the final out, uh, but Classe with another save. Uh, nice to see the bullpen handling their business with a two-run lead. So I think that is all my thoughts on this one. MVP on the day. Oh, three extra base hits. Come on. It is definitely Andres Jimenez taking home MVP on the day. The two-run go-ahead home run was an absolutely huge moment. And frankly, I never want to see Andres Jimenez lay down a sack bunt again. He's too good of a hitter. We need him. I know he's had his struggles this season. A 239 batting average ain't great. Ain't great, but the 696 OPS is starting to climb back towards respectability a little bit there. Um, So Andres Jimenez, especially with with Naylor out, we need this guy to find his swing again. We, We need him to be a problem offensively for opposing pitchers. We need that punch in the lineup. Uh, you know, it was it was Naylor protecting Ramirez in the lineup. Now, hopefully, it can be Ramirez protecting Jimenez in the lineup. I've wanted to see Jimenez in, hit in the two-hole since spring training. I've been calling for this. I, I'm glad we're here. I know he kind of struggled the first few games, but I'm glad we're here. I'm glad Francona's letting it run a little bit and, and seeing what he can do. I, I still, against a left-handed pitcher, I'm fine moving him down. Uh, but it seems like once he sets that top three in the lineup, Francona sets that top three in the lineup. So, uh, yeah, just a big day offensively. Let's keep this momentum rolling, Andres Jimenez. Um, all right, that is all my thoughts on this one. Uh, we do have an email from uh, from Marlon, and uh, I got I got to get you know. Where are the rest of the emailers, people? Come on. I mean, Marlon is great, and he's giving me great stuff here. But uh, I want to hear from the rest of you. And he goes on a huge rant about this the swiping the hand off the base thing. I think we've already covered it. Uh, I, although, I give him credit here because Marlon's memory is fantastic. He says this was bad enough when Kent Herbeck... Pulled this stunt in the 91 World Series. But the fact that we have replay review in 2023 and they can pretend Rokio wasn't pushed off is mind-boggling. It was a Bush League play by Anderson, but an even worse overturn by the replay review. 
uh, Hedges talked about the umpires needing to be held accountable after a game against the Angels last year that saw both Tito and Nevin tossed. This is a prime example of what he was talking about. I was glad to see Tito as animated as he was. He had every right to be livid and to defend Rokio. This might have fired the team up and given them a little extra motivation. So, I, I got to give credit to Marlon here. The fact that he remembers Kent Herbeck, I don't even remember the thing with Hedges last year. I do remember Tito and Phil Nevin both being thrown out of a game, but uh, I, I do so many of these things that it just these games don't stick in my memory. So, uh, credit to Marlon. Uh, for remembering that stuff. Um, so thank you for the email. He also pointed out it's crazy to think that Class A, who has 96 saves, might already surpass Cody Allen, 149 saves, as the team's all-time saves leader by next year, provided he stays healthy. So yeah, uh, Class A has been... That's why the talk of trading him at the trade deadline was like, look, I know that Antonetti says he will take a phone call on anybody, but... That was ridiculous thinking they were going to trade Class A. Like, it's just to have that position locked up is such a benefit for your team. The idea of trading him was just was just silly. All right. So thank you, Marlon, for the email. And thank you for hitting me with those facts. I, I didn't remember. I didn't know. Uh, I love the details. Keep them coming. All right. Uh, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final, your Guardians 4, the White Sox 2. You can follow me on Twitter at Debbie Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. It's a huge part of the show. If you get your thoughts in, uh, if you get your feelings in, I really want to hear from you out there. We'll discuss it on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Spotify. If you go to the link in the show notes, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Baseball Morning.